Good day to you, and welcome to Fascinating. I'm your host, Rick, from Planet Vulcan. My continuing mission on planet Earth, to search for signs of intelligence and to encourage its spread. Senior contributing editor Prego Denada has submitted the following essay on the subject of redlining, a practice that was put into effect by the federal government in the 1930s. Prego writes, The practice of redlining, which took place during the middle years of the 20th century, has been much in the news recently. We should note that much of the discussion around this topic is heavy on the ignorangi, that is, knowing things that are not so. The purpose of this essay is not to weigh in on the controversies that stem from the redlining and its consequences, and the ignorangi surrounding the discussions, but instead to present factual information about the origin and primary intent of the practice. If you, the listener, have an interest in this issue, your opinions can at least be based on facts. My primary motivation for writing about redlining is that I believe it is possible to draw an important lesson with broad application from this attempt at social engineering, a lesson we will get to later on. The practice of redlining grew out of a social engineering scheme. The primary intent of this scheme was to create a secondary market for home mortgages. What is it that is desirable and beneficial about a secondary market? A secondary market makes a primary market function more successfully by providing the primary market investors with the option of exchanging their investments for immediate cash from another investor. Stock exchanges such as the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ, are secondary markets, and they exist to give those who buy corporate shares the option of selling them to other investors, thereby making it more likely that corporations will be able to sell their shares in the primary market in the first place, through initial public offerings. What is true of the market for corporate shares is also true of the market for mortgages. Mortgage lenders, which originate the loans to prospective homeowners, comprise the the primary market. The existence of a secondary market for mortgage notes allows the lenders who operate in the primary market to convert their mortgage notes into cash without having to wait for the streams of monthly payments from the borrowers to materialize. This allows the mortgage originators to originate more mortgages And this capacity for increased lending potentially has a benefit for us all. There was no secondary market for mortgages at the time of the New Deal in the 1930s. Mortgage originators typically operated in small, isolated locales within which they could obtain information with relative ease about the credit worthiness of their applicants. But there was no cheap and easy way for a potential investor to learn about the quality of any particular mortgage loan that was made in a different locale. Some bright people realized that the existence of a secondary market for mortgages would make the primary market more active, and they proposed that the federal government step in and create the secondary market. 
This social engineering project was put in motion in 1934 by the creation of the Federal Housing Administration with the aim of guaranteeing home mortgages and intervening in the setting of mortgage interest rates. A few years later, in 1938, Congress created the Federal National Mortgage Administration, Fannie Mae, the purpose of which was to put the secondary market into operation. Investors would now be able to buy and sell mortgage notes with the assurance that they would be protected from default risk by a federal guarantee. But the devil is in the details for such a scheme, and markets do a far better job than social engineers when it comes to dealing with the details, because markets use pricing mechanisms. Pricing mechanisms have the virtue of seeking out and accounting for otherwise obscure information, and in an evolved market, risk would have a price. A social engineer, working with more information than any single investor, but with less information than all investors collectively, is obliged to create rules and regulations that are designed to perform the same function as pricing and hopefully make everything work out at least well enough to make the scheme work. In mortgage lending, the risk is that borrowers might default on their payment obligations. The social engineers recognize this, of course, and their method for dealing with default risk faced by investors was to transfer the risk to the government agency, and ultimately the taxpayer, by means of a guarantee. That is, they would make good on any losses incurred by the secondary market investors due to default. And this is where the redlining came in. Prudent banking requires an evaluation of risk, that is, the chances that the loan might not be repaid. In order to limit the risk exposure, federal authorities created regulations intended to prevent banks from engaging in imprudent lending and then cashing out. And one of these regulations consisted of making entire neighborhoods off-limits for insured bank lending, redlining. There is nothing wrong with and everything right with prudent banking. However, Putting entire neighborhoods off-limits to mortgage lending is a clumsy way to be prudent, and this practice no doubt ended up throwing out a lot of babies with the bathwater, and it also had the unintended consequence of opening the door for people to discriminate against some borrowers for reasons other than default risk. We are now witnessing one more example of the problems that typically arise when you try to substitute intelligent design for evolution. The creation by government action of a secondary market for mortgages has preempted the evolution of such a market, and this has led to pernicious consequences. Contrast this socially engineered method of dealing with risk with how risk would be dealt with in an evolved market. In an evolved market, as opposed to a designed market, banks would have an incentive to make as many profitable loans as they could. And if one bank passed up a good opportunity, another bank would have an incentive to step in and make the loan, all other things being equal. An evolved secondary market would have to work out a method of dealing with the problem of default risk cheaply and efficiently. How exactly would this be done? Nobody knows, but that's the way it always is with evolution. 
evolution leads to solutions when people try out different things and see what works. And what works will spread because people are making money doing it. Secondary markets in other areas, such as corporate shares, have evolved without being created by social engineers, and there was never any good reason to believe that one would not have evolved for mortgage notes. Under FHA regulations, the natural incentives have taken a back seat, and meeting the regulatory requirements became the dominant motivating factor for bankers, and bankers didn't have to worry about competitors beating their time in redlined neighborhoods. The lesson? If you have what you believe is a good idea, quit your government job and try to make money from it. You will end up doing more good than if you had intended to do good. Thanks to Prego for this essay. I invite you to have a listen to the next installment of Fascinating. Please provide feedback to these podcasts if you are so inclined. You may contact me by sending an email to Senior Contributing Editor Prego Denada, pregodenada at gmail.com. If you find the lessons from nature in these podcasts personally valuable, please recommend it to your friends. Theme music, Coming Back to Life, with thanks to Pink Floyd. Live long and prosper. Savor your experiences and treasure your memories. And respect nature's wisdom.